Now, you ever remember, you remember your favorite gift you received as a child? Think back. Anything specific come to mind? A gift you received maybe at Christmas or a birthday that just put you over the moon? You might, if you came to church with somebody, would you mind telling them quickly what that was? Bother a stranger if you're alone. All right, got it? What was it? Anybody want to share? A piggy bank. Seriously? A piggy bank? And that was exciting? Okay. <laughs> different strokes for different folks, you know. I always felt that was a little scoldy when I was given a piggy bank. Here, you'll soon be on your own. You better save. That's how I took... That's how I took the appearance of a piggy bank in my life. Good for you. Anybody else? A go-kart. Now we're talking. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Any devastating injuries? No, okay, good. And I heard one more. A bike, yes. Schwinn 10 speed. Color? Blue. <laughs> now, see, he still remembers. That's the thing with gifts. He remembers the blue 10-speed Schwinn, blue in color at the age of 12. That's a great gift. For me, it was a ping-pong paddle. For a brief time in my life, I thought I was good at ping-pong, and I got decent at it. And I noticed that the kids who were really serious about it and good had good paddles, not the, the plywood and sandpaper thing that I had learned to play with. So I did a lot of research, and I found out that Dick Miles was the best American table tennis player, and he had a signature model paddle that I needed. I know, you're laughing at me. So, <laughs> so did my opponents when I discovered that the paddle alone would not carry me where I thought I could be. Dick Miles, why I remember that guy's name, I'm not sure except for this single reason. What made your gift thrilling was this, it was for you, right? Your bike, your piggy bank, above all, your go-kart. Yeah. That's the way gifts work. The point of gifts and the reason they're so thrilling is they are for us. I want to talk to you about something from the passage in Scripture we've been examining together from 1 Peter chapter 4 regarding gifts that God gave you. And on the front side already, you may be a little skeptical of that statement that God gave you gifts. He did. He is a perfect heavenly Father, and if He has taken you as His child, if you have trusted Jesus as your Savior, if you've traded lives with Jesus and let His saving life, His death, and His resurrection stand in place of your own, you're in God's family. And a loving Heavenly Father, in His infinite wisdom, bestows gifts on His children. 1 Peter chapter 4 is where we've been reading. I'll start where we began in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. Yes, we are living in the last days, Peter says, and here's how to act. Here's what to do in those last days. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, 
Be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. In other words, calm down so that you can pray. Two weeks ago, remember I told you, first of all, fly the plane. First of all, keep calm enough so that you can keep praying. What else, Peter? Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. That was last week. In these last days, here's what comes first. Keep a calm mind so that you can pray. That's in your relationship to God. In your relationship to one another, keep this at the top of the list. Make sure that you keep your love for each other at full strength because the difference between taking offense and giving forgiveness is simply this. It's love. And you will stay together in these last difficult days under God's care and support one another if you talk to God and you love each other. Now, this week's passage. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift. Did you catch the words there? As each, every one of you. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Will you read verse 11, the last verse with me? It says, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You have a gift. Here's why your gift is the gift that your Father gave you differs from the gifts you've been given by everybody else. The, Father, the gifts that the Father gave you are not for you. They're yours, but they were not intended for you. You are their steward. You are their manager. They are under your care and under, amazingly, under your direction to use under His guidance for a short time, but the gifts that the Father gave you are not for you. Go back and let's read this passage again. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Don't you love how practical the Bible is? <laughs> Have you ever shown hospitality with grumbling? I have many times. There's an old joke about a family, Christian family, who's having another family over, and, and the mom is just tearing her hair out, as, as moms tend to do before, because everything's got to be right, right? Everything's got to be perfect, and we live like this all the time. It's always this clean. It always smells this good. The food is always this delicious. It's a complete charade. Nobody actually lives like that all the time, but that's the posture we adopt toward one another. So she's having this family come over, and she squeaks through there. Makeup has to be reapplied because she sweats so much getting it all done. But they sit down at the beautiful table, and she says to the seven-year-old boy, critical error, Billy, would you pray? Yeah. No. Oh, come on, honey. You pray so beautifully. Would you, would you pray? Ah, Billy, just you pray so well. I know you're a little shy because they're here, but just, just say the things that you hear mommy and daddy say. <laughs> so, that's easy. Put his head down and said, Our Father, why did I invite these people over? <laughs> a 
That's hospitality with grumbling. The Bible's practical. The Bible's real. That was written 2,000 years ago, but one reason that I know the Bible is the Word of God is it explains life as it is, but it shows a better way. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Now here, Peter is going to start talking about gifts and grace. Remember, he's talking to individuals who have every reason to batten down the hatches and look out for themselves. He's already told them, yes, you are living in the last days. Here is the counsel he gives to all of these Christians in all of their churches under the leadership of their pastors, which he's going to mention in the next chapter. He says, as each has received a gift, what's the, what's the next phrase? You use it to serve one another. Everything else is explanation. Every single one of us has received a gift how is it to be used? It is to be used to serve, what's it say? One another. Your gift's not for you. Your gift came from God for the good of others. Your heavenly Father gives you gifts for the good of other people. He was thinking of you and loving you and giving you those gifts, but his sight extended far beyond you. He was thinking of how he would bless and strengthen and give grace to everybody else who would be in your sphere of influence, who would need at a time of God's choosing the gift that God gave you, not for you, but for them. The gifts that your Father gives you are for the good of others. That's the simple biblical truth of 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. The Father gives gifts to each by His choosing, by His pleasure, and those gifts are not for us. They are for someone else. So, how do we, how do we apply this? Well, first of all, you have to live because you have something to give. Your heavenly Father, in His grace, chose not only to save you, but to gift you. And if you look at the passage carefully, you'll see that the gifts, obviously, are of different kinds. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of, what's the next phrase? God's varied grace. That's a really interesting adjective. God's grace is varied. In other words, God's grace has many dimensions. It has many faces, and it has different expressions. God's grace is so deep, so vast, so real, so far-reaching that He expresses His grace in the gifts He gives to each one of us, and none of us alone can image all of God's grace, but together we can give people a picture of who God is. And that's what Peter's going to explain next. How does a Christian then respond? You respond by living because you have something to give. In other words, we need you. We all need each other. We cannot possibly be all that God intended. We cannot represent who God is, speak His words, show His strength, give His grace, express His truth. None of us can do that alone without a committed, concerted, dedicated effort to loving one another with the gifts that God first gave us. If I could be very practical for a moment, it is a well-known fact in life 
that there is something called the Pareto Principle or the 20-80 rule. Have you heard this? 20% of the people do 80% of the work is the way that usually works out. And some of you, from the safety of retirement, are nodding with wise, painful understanding, remembering that in your old company, you were one of the 20%, and you carried a lot of slackers in your office on your back who simply wouldn't contribute. That's one of the truths of life. Every pastor I've ever talked to in every country where it's come up, where I've traveled, has mentioned that the 2080 rule generally carries over into churches. And what you have is 20%, a very loyal, committed, dedicated 20%, doing about 80% of the church's work. It's preaching, it's giving, it's loving, it's serving, it's teaching, it's showing compassion. If we get down to practical principles, it shows that about 20% of the people in the average church, certainly not ours, right? We're not average. We're anything but average. 2080. Now, let's take this passage seriously. If the Father has given to each gifts from Him that show His strength, that speak His words, that show His grace… Imagine how crippled the average local church is if only 20% of the kids who receive gifts are using them for their intended purpose. This isn't Peter's analogy, but it's the Apostle Paul's. He thinks of the church as a body with individual members, placed where God has chosen to put them for mutual benefit and mutual protection and blessing and enjoyment. Let's explore that for a second. If about 80% of your body quit this morning in the middle of this service. What would you do? What would happen? You'd almost certainly die, right? If 80, it would have to be a very carefully chosen 20% to keep you going, right? If you lost 80% of your vision while you sat here listening to me, would you keep listening? No, you wouldn't. We're in church. Don't lie to me now. If, if you went 80% blind in a moment, you, the best you could do was to politely excuse yourself asking for somebody's help to get out of the auditorium. If the Father has given all of these gifts to all of His children who are living in the last days, it's imperative, first of all, that we live because we have something to give. It's vitally important. What else? 1 Peter 4, 8, I'm sorry, 4, 9, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Grace is what ties this whole passage together. Grace is the center of the Christian life. There is no Christian service that is not marked by grace. You've probably been served without grace inside and outside the church. And there is nothing more unbecoming, there is nothing uglier than service without grace. When Sharice and I were first dating, we, we were broke college students, as just about every college student is. So, not having much money but wanting to spend a little time together, I decided to take her one night to Denny's. I know you're overwhelmed with the romance. Now, with all due respect to Denny's, I just had breakfast there a couple days ago. Denny's is great for breakfast, but 
after breakfast, Denny's is a place you end up. It's not a place you go. <laughs> Think about that, and you'll see that it's true. You go for breakfast, you end up at every other meal at Denny's. So we kind of ended up in desperation ordering a hot fudge sundae about 9 o'clock at night. And the waitress walked up and looked at us and said, what do you want? Wow. So we told her. Without a word, she spun around, marched away, and we were sitting at a big round table. I'll never forget it. She came back about 10 minutes later and slapped the Sunday down on the far end of this big round table and walked off. And I sat there and looked at the Sunday, looked at my wife, got up out of my chair, walked around the table, brought it back. Later, she reappeared with the check, which, guess what she did with the check? He slapped that down too and marched off. I don't know what was going on in that poor lady's life, but it was the least gracious service experience I've ever had in my entire life, so much so that all these years later, I still remember it. Now, the operative verb, the single commandment here is, according to the gift that you've received, use it to what? serve. And as you do that, you show that you are a steward. In other words, that you are a manager of the varied grace of God. In other words, in using your gift that the Father gave you for the good of others, not all of God will be known, but God will be known by your service. I know this because of what he says in the next verse. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Unfortunately, this particular translation, love it as I do, muddies a little bit the idea for most of us in the 21st century because oracles conjures up strange imaginations, yes? All he's saying is, as you receive gifts from the Father, when you speak, speak the very words of God. Don't air your own opinions. Don't discuss your feelings, your views, your plans. Speak the very words, the very utterances of God. That's one way of showing God's grace. Whoever serves as one who stir, serves by the strength that God supplies. You'll notice that God is at the center of all this because He's the giver, you're the manager. But keep this in mind. And I want to say this gently and lovingly, but also very, very clearly. If you are a manager of God's gifts, that means that someday, if you're a manager rather than the owner, someday you will give an account for the gifts that you have been given. Make sense? If you've ever had a company car, you're not allowed to enter it in a demolition derby. They had a specific use in mind for the company car, and you destroying it with a bunch of other people on one thrilling Saturday night was not part of the owner's idea. You're a manager. That's all you are. These gifts that have been given come from God, and they show the grace of God, and when you use them well, they represent God. If you have been gifted to speak, and I don't, it, I don't think Peter means for a moment just preaching… This is publicly speaking the utterances of God, but Peter is talking to an entire Christian community represented in many churches. 
He said, in loving life with each other as you first pray and then love one another, when you speak to one another, make sure that you speak the very words of God. As you lean toward each other and you serve one another, you will do so with the strength that God supplies. D.L. Moody, great American evangelist, said that many are not serving God because they are attempting to do something great. And we shouldn't worry about doing the great things. We should concern ourselves with doing the small things that He has allowed us to do because nothing is small if God is the source. I think that makes perfect sense of this passage. Some of you feel so worn out, so beaten down, so tired and discouraged, and you've been so acculturated sometimes in a church culture that, let's be honest, puts the 2080 rule in principle on purpose to keep the few people who ever walk across this platform way high above everybody else, saying, you give and you show up and we'll do the rest. That's not the way the New Testament church was ever designed to function. Jesus is the good shepherd with a great big flock. Pastors are merely under-shepherds. We too are part of the body. We have specific gifts and calling that God has given us, but they are not ours. They are for you. And the gifts that God has given you, though they may not be esteemed and they may never show up in a video, they may never be printed in the church bulletin, your gifts come from God to you, and His grace, His strength, His words, in other words, His supply, awaits you. When you step into the service according to the gifting that He has given you, God shows up and God is represented. And it is the most thrilling thing in the world. I live that in this church because we truly are not an average church. We're not a perfect church by any stretch. But I, I live my Christian life week to week, not only with people who are part of the staff, but with so many of you who in so many quiet, loving, service-oriented ways show the love and the heart of God to everyone you meet. It's absolutely extraordinary. And I think to myself, not humbly, accurately, I could never do what they do. And probably many of you are thinking, if you ever had to walk up here and they turn the lights on you with an open Bible, you, you wouldn't like it, right? Most of you. Some of you would. Some of you wish I'd quit and get out of the way so that you could get started, but, but most of you aren't anticipating that. You're not desiring for that. And yet, out of a church that was discouraged and unhealthy, a wonderful family of love has grown up because more and more of you are understanding exactly what this book says that you have been gifted by your heavenly Father, but the gifts He gave you are not intended for you. They are intended for the good of others. What do you do? You serve one another in love. And Peter says at the end, when this happens, when you speak as one who speaks the words of God, when you serve, you serve as the one who does it with the strength that God supplies. All of this happens, Peter says in verse 11, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You see what happens when you use your gift for the good of others? 
You live because you have something to give, and you do it with grace. Not with grudging obligation, not because a program needs to be staffed, not because if you don't do it, these shiftless losers around you won't, certainly never will. That's the attitude that permeates way too much of Christian ministry. But when you, having prayed to your heavenly Father and felt His gifting and His love for you, say to yourself, it may not be much, but I can do this because my Father has gifted me. And you step toward others in love, His grace, His power, His strength, His words, His supply, whatever it is. That's not an exhaustive list. Peter is merely giving examples. The point is, when you show up, when you step into the gifts that God has given you, God shows up, and the last part of the verse says God is glorified. God gets famous. See, the reason people serve outside of God's will is to glorify themselves. Many celebrities are admired because of their charitable work done around the world, but you know what I've noticed in almost all of those situations? A camera crew is always there. That's not the way Jesus taught to give. He said, don't let one hand know what the other is doing. Do your giving in secret so that your motives can stay pure. Sometimes you can't help but be seen serving, but Jesus says that's never the motive. The motive is always responding in love to your Father and to the needs of others, and those needs must be met with grace. And when they are, with the words of God and the strength of God that show the grace of God, guess who gets famous? God does. When people walk away from experiencing a Christian community like that, and they say things like this, I can't believe how loving those people are. I had that conversation with the lady this week because of you. I didn't know her. But she got in touch with the church office with a very small need that was easily met, and her response as a, sec, as a person who had been here for a second week is, I can't believe how nice and loving and welcoming everybody has been. You don't even know me. No, we don't, but God does. He loves you. That's why we're doing this, without the risk of, at the risk of not of embarrassing anyone. That's why ministries like Grief Share that are very quiet and very small are so vitally important. It's just a handful of grieving people in every single one of those groups. What difference does it make? It makes literally a life's worth of difference. Why? Because listening and loving and counseling and praying with those people brings into that little room something that they cannot experience any other way, the very grace, the very strength, the very words of God, and He makes the difference. It's His church. These are His gifts. We are His children. When we use them according to His will, it says, all this happens in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him, not to us, belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So what does this world need? This world needs everything that God is. They need His truth. They need His justice. They need His righteousness and His wisdom. They need His loving service. They need His holiness. 
They need his unfathomable capacity to bear burdens and to bind up the brokenhearted. They need the clarity of a God who calls sinners home, not by telling them that they're okay, but that they're not okay. In fact, they're sinful and condemned, but that he has put his son on the cross so that they can be forgiven. There's not one single person in this church, by God's own design, there's not one of us who can represent all of God's glory on our own. That's why he gave us one another. So you have a gift. You may have more than one. But you have unique things that God in his own wisdom and in his own time placed into your life, and if he has put you here for a season... Open up in humble prayer to the opportunity and the blessing that he has for you to bring strength and life and grace and all that he is in the lives of others because the gifts that your father gave you are not for you. They're for the good of others. Can we pray together? We prayed earlier for our needs. I want to invite you now to pray a little bit about your, your capacity, your ability to give and to serve and to love others. Maybe you have no idea what that looks like. It's okay. Your father knows. And there are people here in this family of faith who would be glad to help you get you started making a difference in the lives of others. Would you pray for a minute and just kind of open up to your father and say, I'm your child. You've given me something for the good of others. I may not know what it is, but I'm your manager. You own it, but I'm your manager. I want to use it well with the life you've given me so that others others will see your glory. What if a whole body of believers moved in that direction. If it wasn't 20, 80, if it was 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 percent, we'll never be perfect. But what if the overwhelming majority of a church knew what their gifts were and day by day lived for the good of other people? Our families would never be the same. Our town wouldn't be the same. Cambodia would be different because of that. Everywhere God has given us influence and opportunity, we would make a lifetime, an eternity worth of difference. So maybe you have no idea where to start. That's not important right now. What matters is your willingness to step forward in service with the gifting that God has given you. Will you talk to God about that right now? And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, these blessings that I've been talking about Those aren't for you just yet. You need his eternal life. You need to turn from sin and embrace him as Savior. When you do that, all things are possible. Along with that comes gifts and love that God alone can give you for the good of other people. But you need to start there. So whatever your prayer need is, whatever question you have, whatever your next step is, before we close the service, you can use that connection card. Mark it up. Let us know what God is calling you to do. Now let's see what God does to make his glory known through Crosspoint. Father, there are so many willing, wholehearted, humble, loving, 
generous servants in this church. Thank you. Thank you for sending people here to be that way. Thank you for keeping many strong for decades in that attitude of loving service. Thank you for renewing the heart and the understanding of many who were here but inactive and now make a loving difference to people all around them. As Moody said, Lord, let us start with the small things, realizing that nothing is small if you are the source. We commit this time of prayer and the giving that follows, us giving, Lord, from hard-earned finances so that your glory, your grace, your love may be known. We do this in love for the good of others and for your own glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us on this edition of Cross Points. If you have any questions about what you just heard, please call our church office at 714-848-5511. If you are nearby next Sunday, we have services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. Visitors are always welcome at Cross Point, and we hope you'll choose to worship with us when you're near the Huntington Beach community.